Don't believe the hype. Read the type. This is Type Beast. Take a look. It's in a book. It's Type Beast, baby. Bro. Wagwan. You know, it might be might be the first time we, we're explicitly addressing this title or this topic. And we're, and we're trying to do our best to uh, to steel man the opposition or the, the other perspective. Um, but, you know, you said it to me. We've been addressing this issue for a long time without explicitly addressing this issue. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, so. definitely. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's critical race theory, man. Yeah. I. You know, it's funny. Thinking about t- doing this conversation, I, I thought back to... Um, teachers like us podcast or the teachers like us episode, mm-hmm. and there's a statement that I said in that episode that I think would apply here as well, and and I think it's maybe a good caveat to start our conversation, and that would be, I think I said something to the effect of, I may agree with a lot of the criticisms or concerns or issues. But I'll I disagree with the terminology or the means to resolve, right? So in that conversation, I was referring to you know using terms like white privilege, um, and and you know different terms. But that's the one I think specifically I was taking issue in that conversation. And, and the reason I thought it was a good caveat or a good you know starting point is that I think it's easy potentially for someone to take our criticisms or our critiques of critical race theory or or some of the derivatives that come out of it and apply those as we're criticizing the need to fix a problem right we can potentially agree that there's a problem to be addressed while disagreeing with the diagnosis of the cause and effect of the problem so yeah i just thought you know at least go again going back i was thinking about that episode and and that was the kind of thing i i said to them probably as as right before we got into it a little bit and I think it holds true here too. So, good place to start. I don't know. What do you What do you think? Do you think that's a fair caveat, or or do you think that's a a common misunderstanding of of positions that we might hold? Uh, yeah, I think I think just going through words and terminologies and definitions is important uh, to make sure that we are on the same page and agreeing on on the right ideas and the right movements, I guess, so to speak. Um, so today we are going through the book Critical Race Theory, um, an introduction. This is the third edition of, of this book. It's by uh, critical race critical race theory um, scholar uh, Richard Delgado, um, as well as uh, Jean Stefanik and Angela. Harris forwarded by Angela Harris, and uh, the reason why we're this was the book we're starting with um, was because it's introduction. Um, and um, fellow uh, listener of the show Sam say, um, and on his blog post, in his work in critical race theory, he said like this is a good um, introduction to get into for the book, um, and you know. Considering that this is a pretty controversial topic, and especially from the perspective uh, within Christendom, um, mm-hmm. there's definitely division there. And so the approach that we're going to take is uh, try to keep it straw man free uh, and handle it gently, carefully, graciously, uh, with, with as much balance as we can. So, you know, going to the primary source instead of uh, going to a secondary source or, pe- or a person who is in opposition. So uh, Mr. Delgado is 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 for critical race theory, and so the definitions and terms are directly from the book and and help break it down into like what it is, instead of just saying, "Oh, this is just uh, cultural Marxism." Yeah, buzzwords, buzzwords. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> let's get down to the details and and, and what what um, to see what this uh, theory is is really offering. So. Um, what we're going to jump into is uh, first the background of uh, critical race theory as it relates to critical theory. Mm. Okay. So um, in general, critical theory explores the connections or overlaps, intersections, 
and interferences between uh, the three spheres of economic development, psychic life, and culture. So its starting premise derived in part from Karl Marx, uh, but also inspired by Emily Durkheim, Durkheim and Max Weber, is that uh, midway through the 19th century, the world as a whole underwent a major transformation um, and entered a new period of history known as modernity. Uh, so this entails, and this is key, this entails tradition cannot be used as a guide for thinking about either the present or the future. Okay, so we'll, we'll, we'll unpack that, but also the, the, the other aspect that critical race theory flows out of is um, CLS. No, not the Bible study. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, I, I saw, you know, okay, so what's CLS critical, le critical legal studies. And it's not Christ lives sucker. It's uh, not Christ lives sucker Bible study, but uh, uh, critical, critical legal studies. So it's a, it's a legal movement aimed at resisting, understanding, uh, and remediating the ways in which law and legal institutions like schools promote and maintain racism and white supremacy. And this definition is from Dr. Nathan uh, uh, Cartagena, who's also um, a pro-critical uh, race theorist. Okay. So what, what, what for you, um, what makes, you know, what, why are we addressing this issue right now? Why, why, like, you know, um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. Cause what we want to do is, is, is understand that, um, critical race theory, uh, doesn't come out of thin air and, and, it, and it's, and it's borrowing from two previous movements. Okay. Mm -hmm. So yes, we mentioned critical, um, critical theory and, uh, cr critical legal studies. So, um, it, the two movements are critical legal studies and radical feminism. So uh, what it borrows from critical legal studies is, the, um, is that uh, the group borrowed the idea of legal, um, it's called indeterminacy, right? So they're using this thing called legal inter, inter in, sorry, indeterminacy. The idea that not every legal case has one correct outcome. Right? And this is from the book. So instead, one can decide most cases either way by emphasizing one line of authority over another or interpreting one fact differently from the way one's adversary does. And what CRT takes uh, from the radical feminism side is standpoint epistemology. So the idea that, in that case, the woman or the minority, the oppressed, has a unique perspective that trumps the man or the majority or the oppressor. So CRT is taking two major ideas from uh, critical legal studies and uh, radical feminism. So would, would intersectionality be the buzzword for the radical feminism stuff that you're referring to? Uh, no, 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 no. That, that, that wouldn't be the case uh, because uh, uh, intersectionality flows out of critical race theory. Oh, you, yeah. Okay. Get, no, no, you're fair. Yeah, as, yeah, opposed, yeah. To, yeah, the, yeah. as opposed to the feminism. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, but, it's, but I do see the through line of intersectionality with what you've said about radical feminism. Yeah, so, so um, Kimberly Crenshaw um, was known for her work on... Um, on uh, intersectionality and, and she's uh, been a student of uh, Dr. Bell who, who put together, who helped build this idea. Uh, now, here, here, here's one of the unique things, right? So uh, I was listening to uh, Just Thinking Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker and they were covering the issue and he brought up, there was an Oxford Dictionary on critical theory, right? And I was just like, oh, what the heck? I was like, that's, that's weird. That's helpful, but it's kind of weird. And so mm -hmm. I, I, checked, I checked it out myself. And, there, and there's this interesting aspect in the definition of what the critical and critical theory actually means. So the word critical should thus be understood to mean, as it does in Immanuel Kant's work, the opposite of analytical. It refers to the set of uh, concepts whose reach is always and of necessity greater than their grasp. So I'll read that again. 
The word critical should thus be understood to mean, as it does in Immanuel Kant's work, the opposite of analytical. Hmm. Right? So it refers to the set of concepts whose reach is always and of necessity greater than their grasp. Well, okay. Well, so 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 here's how we make sense of this. <laughs> the reason <laughs> the follow me, follow, follow me, follow me, follow me, but don't lose your grip. All right. <laughs> the reason why CRT is uh, the opposite of analytical is because uh, it needs Western values to do so. So this allows CRT to be a highly reflexive enterprise so it can get in where it fits in without being criticized. Hmm. Right? Well, and, and I think reading, uh, so I, I, I really like James Lindsay on, on sort of this type of stuff. And he's got um, a really good website called uh, New Discourses. And then he's got a section of this that's called Translations from the Wokish. Um, and, and what he's done is, is essentially sort of an encyclopedia, he calls it a plain language encyclopedia of social justice terminology. Um, and so, you know, he, and I, I would say he's, he tries to be straw man free as well. Like he'll say, here's their stuff. Here's what they're saying. And then he'll add his commentary at the end. Um, so. Okay. Um, okay, good. Yeah. Cause I, you know, this is such a, a highly contentious topic. Mm -hmm. I, most of my research, I just, I didn't, I didn't take in any, but anybody who was anti CRT. I, yeah. I wasn't reading any anti CRT. I wasn't listening to anybody who's mm -hmm. anti CRT. Um, well, actually the guys who did a pretty good job. Well, I, I mean, Daryl Harrison, if you did just thinking they would have been. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, the, actually that, that was before I did my research. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So that, that was, that was before I, I did my research. Uh, so I was listening to a lot of, uh, uh, Southside rabbi <laughs> with a KB. Oh, and true. I mean, yeah, yeah. Those guys. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, they, yeah. They, so, so they did a four part series. They did a four part series on, on critical race theory, um, and bringing on people who quote unquote, who knows who actually people who actually know critical race theory because those guys who are anti critical race theory they don't even know they don't even know it man they're misrepresenting so <laughs> so for me so for me i was like okay you know what let me read the book and then listen to guys who are proponents of it to see where it lines up and where i fell and it was very helpful for me to think through what i saw going on but uh but so Let's get into a definition of what critical race theory actually is. Okay. So uh, what I wanted to add, because you had said, you know, critical theory um, was, was part of, or sort of the, the, the starting point. Um, and I thought the commentary from uh, James Lindsay is, is very helpful um, just okay. on that. And so he okay. had said that really there's this focus um, on power. Um, and and with critical theory, it's it's so here's where let me read sort of the couple sentences here. The critical theory of the Institute for Social Research, which is better known as the Frankfurt School, focused on power analysis that began from a Marxist perspective with an aim to understand why Marxism wasn't proving successful in Western context. It rapidly developed a post-Marxist position. They criticized Marx's primary focus on economics and expanded his views on power, alienation, and exploitation into all aspects of post-Enlightenment Western culture. What's funny, the very next sentence says, these theorists sometimes referred to themselves as cultural Marxists. Okay. All right. Well, the, the guys I was listening to, they don't like to be called that. They don't no, use no. those and, terms. And that's that's why it's funny because this is like, you know, 1930s, the critical theorists were calling themselves cultural Marxists because they were expanding the original sort of uh, Marxist ideas, which was, you know, the bourgeoisie proletariat, but it was a, a very economics-based dynamic, whereas critical theory and therefore and also critical race theory has a f higher focus on the power dynamic um and i don't i agree with you using the term cultural marxist is somewhat of a slanderous term uh towards um you know the uh social justice ideas at times 
So, mm-hmm. but but it, yeah. yeah, there's some irony. Yeah, that's there. helpful. That's good. That's good. That's good. Um, now the the definition of critical race theory I got from the Encyclopedia Britannica. So, uh, so critical race theory, the view that the law and legal institutions are inherently racist, and that race itself, instead of being biologically grounded and natural is a socially constructed concept that is used by white people to further their economic and political interests at the expense of people of color. So critical race theory, uh, not only, and this is from the book, uh, critical race theory not only uh, dares to treat race as central to the law and policy of the United States, it dares to look beyond the popular belief that getting rid of racism means simply getting rid of ignorance or encouraging everyone uh, to get along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that, that makes, I mean, I think it makes sense to me that there is an, a heightened emphasis on, on race, racism, and power. and. You know, it's like when we were talking with uh, Desmond Cole, he made a comment that, you know, racism goes beyond intentions. And there's, there's this idea that any, or not any, I should say, many power dynamics are a result of subliminal racism, right? This is, that's that idea of that it goes beyond intentions. And, and so that's where I believe critical race theory would be di- differentiating itself. Um, and, and, it's always sort of trying to analyze through the lens of race, racism, and power. Um, and, and one of the other things that, that I learned or that, that James Lindsay says is that in regards to critical theory, there is a, a heightened focus on power and race in a, above truth, right? Okay. And, and so truth is is sort of secondary so here's his commentary says um first critical race theory is centrally concerned with power which it holds in higher regard than truth uh and and that sort of fits with the postmodernist perspectives right um i would i have been using the term hyper postmodernism to say you know there's a as opposed to being critical and and saying we need to think about the biases which is what I would call postmodernism, uh, and trying to deconstruct ideas to see where the foundations are. I would use the term hyper postmodernism to get that in reference to the fact that they, the the, the group of people who don't va- don't consider objective truth a thing, they don't uh, want to focus in on truth. And and actually, when you were describing the legal thing piece, there was an aspect there when it says, oh, outcomes. Are depend can there's multiple potential correct outcomes? Mm-hmm. How how is that truth? How is that possible with objective truth? Now, if I was to caveat, because you did say a secondary thing, which was oh, a different interpretation of the of a given fact. Now, to me, if you focus on that, there's a difference between interpreting something and therefore truth is different, or what you perceive as truth is different, versus. There are multiple appropriate outcomes, and it depends on what or who you place at a higher priority. I know I'm paraphrasing you brutally, but to me, that that aligns here with this idea that truth isn't in the highest regard. It's about yeah. power. Yeah. yeah, again, but but for them, it's 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 more so that well, I don't have to justify myself, like my lived experience. I'm living my truth, mm-hmm. um, my narrative. My experience, because of um, the standpoint being, of epistemology, stuff. yeah, yeah, the standpoint of epistemology. So, my experience, I don't have to um, to de- explain myself um, to you, type of thing. So that's where it's like, okay, well, I don't have to justify uh, how I feel, and, and and so this is what what's what's interesting and helpful about understanding um, critical race theory is that. It's placed in history as it relates to uh, the civil rights movement, right? And so the idea, um, as, as it says in the book, that um, the movement considers many of the same issues that conventional civil rights and ethics studies discourses take up, but places them in a broader perspective that includes economics, history, 
uh, setting, uh, group and self-interest, and emotions and unconsciousness. So unlike traditional civil rights discourse, which stresses incrementalism and step-by-step progress, critical race theory questions the very foundations of the liberal order, including uh, equality theory, legal reasoning, enlightenment, rationalism, and neutral principles of constitutional law, right? So, I mean, that, that's a very important thing to realize, mm-hmm. right? These are, this is a foundational aspect of the belief system. And, and I will put in the show notes page, uh, uh, it's again, I, James Lindsay, but um, it's a YouTube series called Trojan Horse. Uh, it's from Sovereign Nations, so a Christian guy speaking with two uh, atheists, Peter Bogosian and James Lindsay. And they use a terminology of different reality tunnels. And, and I thought it's, it's helpful here because this is a, as a fundamentally different reality tunnel. And so let me use the atheist example. You would ar- I, I would argue, they would argue, that Christians who don't hold to CRT and atheists have a much higher overlap of their reality tunnels than the CRT perspective, even if you were talking about two Christians. And now, the, wor- the, the Christian worldview, assuming we hold to the same tenets of our faith, would be the same. But very much the perceptions of the world and the world order would be almost diametrically opposed. And, and the reason I say that is because equality theory, what is that contrasted with? equity, right? Not equality before the law, right? They're, they're challenging these ideas. They're mm-hmm, challenging mm-hmm. Criticizing, being critical of them, right? Kind of like, and, and I would use the word, I got accused of this uh, back when I was in school, sophistry, shout out to Danny, right? I got accused, I got accused of being a sophist. Uh, and for the people who know a sophist, is, uh, it's, a, it's a philosopher who, who would go around um, and they would ask questions. They would always ask questions, but never stick around for the answers. Only asking questions to trip you up, but never sticking around for the answers. Kind of like a troublemaker. Yeah. So, well, and, and, and so rationalism, reasoning, neutral principles of constitutional law. Like, I mean, hopefully we'll, we'll have an episode uh, maybe coming out before this, maybe after this, where we do touch on some, some constitutional stuff. Yeah, 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 for sure. For sure. Um, but but to me, these these ideas are are the essentially the heart of the Western democracy. Uh oh. Well see, well see, well see, but this is what we're trying to do. This is what CRT's trying to do. We're trying to take take apart Western Civ, right? And Absolutely. really lo- and, and look at it um and, and, and take another perspective. Because everything that encompasses Western civilization from the black experience and black history hasn't been helpful according to through through the lens of of, of critical theory. So even like yeah we're saying okay yeah there's so many great things that came out the west but even when you look at like again like the civil rights movement critical race theorists are looking at the civil rights movement and they're saying yes he's all right but he's not real. Yes that's great but did it really achieve what it set out to achieve? So it was it was really taking a more critical look at saying, okay, was the civil rights movement really effective? Was the Western values, um, some of the Western values that, that the civil rights movement w- were champion, champion, championing, championing um, was it, was, did it work? And now the critical researchers are saying, well, actually, no, it didn't work. There's still, there's still subtle racisms that weren't taken care of. And so this is where we find ourselves today in looking at uh, critical race theory. And so this is why they, they developed um, an ideology, um, a theory um, with, 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 with different tenets. So even though, it, and, and this is very important to, to take note that, you know, not all critical, critical race theorists, CRT people, um, see things the same way, just like in, in, in the body of Christ. There's little nuances between schools of thought. But, but, but these are like three of the core tenets that make up critical race theory. And so that is, uh, first, racism is ordinary, the aberrational, normal science, quote unquote. 
the usual way society does business, the common everyday experience of most people of color in this country. So the first feature, which is basically saying ordinariness, means that racism is difficult to address or cure uh, because it is not acknowledged, uh, colorblind or formal, um, conceptions of equality, uh, expressed in rules that insist only on treatment that is in the same that is only the same across the board. So it can um, thus remedy only the most blatant forms of discrimination. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's the first part. And then the second part it says uh, the second most would uh, would sorry most would agree that our system or white over color ascendancy serves important purposes both psychic and material for the dominant group. So because racism advances the interests of both white elites materially and working class whites physically, large segments of society have little incentive to eradicate it, right? And then the last one is, um, third is the theme of critical race theory, the, the social construction thesis. So this holds the, the, the race and races are products of social thought and relations, not objective, inherent, or fixed. They correspond to no biological or genetic reality. Rather, races are categories that society invents, manipulates, or retires when convenient. Mm-hmm. Right, so the idea is that society frequently chooses uh, to ignore uh, these these scientific truths, creates races, and endows them with, and this is a key word, pseudo permanent characteristics. So, um, and and these things are great interests to critical race theory. So, and and I think it's important to now let's slightly circle back and contrast. Right, so these three tenants. Um, mm-hmm. If if you hold to these things, mm-hmm. then it makes sense to me that you're going to say the traditional civil rights movements of incrementalism and step-by-step progress were insufficient. Because And, and this is where it's really important to understand, right? Their argument, uh, and, and maybe I'm wrong here, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm being a little bit critical, but I think there's a level of cir- circular reasoning because the, there's a level of these three tenets are presumptuous. And therefore, the reason I say presumptuous is in regards to the civil rights movement. Oh, because we hold these things true and the civil rights movement- We declare these things self-evident. And because the civil rights movement didn't address them, i.e. step-by-step progress incrementalism is insufficient, right? If, if you don't hold that racism is ordinary, if you, if you hold to only explicit racism is a problem, and that, you know, implicit racism or subtle uh, unconscious racism or uh, whatever other terminology that if you don't hold to those views, well, then you're going to say, no, the incrementalism was good. Now, I'm not saying it's perfect and that there isn't more things to, to you know, mm-hmm. from a societal level that need to be fixed or, or to mm-hmm. be addressed. But it's because, again, it goes back to you, you, you use the word, the idea of like the incrementalism was insufficient. We need to literally tear it down and rebuild. And that well, was why I was focusing on sort of those uh, foundations as something they're critical of. Because, yeah, of course, if you're critical of the foundations of Western society and incrementalism is insufficient because of your presumptions or these tenets, then of course, the only solution is to say, no, we need to tear it down and rebuild it. Right. But I guess the argument that they're bringing is, okay, well, the, the civil rights movement was insufficient. In, inefficient or insufficient in that it did not uh, address the issue of rate ordinary racism ordinariness it didn't address the issue of white over color ascendancy or uh, pseudo permanent uh, characteristics that are put on um, mm-hmm. minorities uh, through hegemony yeah and, and and my I guess my point is that if you're gonna debate and wrestle with those ideas and challenge them, Mm-hmm. And and if you hold to a different conclusion than those three ideas, then the idea that incrementalism was insufficient or was not productive enough it is not necessarily true. If anything, if you challenge these three tenets as foundational beliefs, 
that you don't hold, well, then I'd argue the method of making change that CRT is proposing, or CRT, or I should say critical race theorists are proposing, then you wouldn't agree with them, right? And, and this is where it's really important. Like, I think so much of the CRT conversations, I always go back to this, the statement Paul Carter said to us, which when we asked him about it, he was like, well, you know, there's a lot of people who say things that are, CRT is this, and I disagree with that. And then, you know, a whole bunch of people say in, you know, CRT, and they say things I agree with. And and so the, re the reason I bring that up is that some of the criticisms or some of the, you know, recommended uh, issues that, that need to be addressed in the name of CRT are things that a lot of people will go along with or agree with. Because, I mean, a lot, you go back to Marx, a lot of economists would have said some of his criticisms were correct. Some of the things he was pointing out about society were, were legitimate criticisms. Mm -hmm. But it was the method of addressing those issues or the additional analysis that was provided that they took issue with. And so I would say the same thing applies here. There's plenty of criticism. And that's why I sort of started with that, that you know, caveat to this whole conversation. That there's plenty of things that someone who holds to critical race theory that I would say, okay, I agree with that criticism. Or I agree with that, that society needs to address this issue. That doesn't mean. Or, or what people, I would argue, what people need to be careful of is just because you agree with particular perspectives of people that hold these ideas doesn't mean you actually agree with the foundational ideas. And you probably need to spend more time thinking through these ideas. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, 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 I, and I think that's, that's, uh, that's why I'm enjoying this study. Um, because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling through the ideas and I'm like, okay, so what's being said here when we talk about racism is ordinary like i can understand racism can be subtle mm -hmm. um, but my question is how do you how do you book it how do you how do you know when you see it and if you do book it how can you be um sure okay so right again because hold on no i'm not done okay, hold, sorry, hold sorry, up sorry, sorry. hold up how do you book uh, it? how do you right how do you book it and, and, and i think this is important because like i don't care what crt says no one is infallible not even, not even a juicy smoothie, <laughs> right? You know what I mean. So, you, so we we have to be careful on it from an ethical perspective. Like, okay, well, how how do you know that accusation is right? I've been accused. I've been accused of things, and it's not a good feeling being accused of something, mm -hmm. right? Um, but also the the second part on white white over ascendancy, I think that. Even that idea, like how do you, how do you verify? Because the example he's using, um, Doctor uh, uh, Derek Bell, and his body of work. So he he's a pro CRT guy, and he he has actually he he was uh, Kimberly Crenshaw's professor. I was gonna say, isn't and, he almost like the the founder? He's the man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he yeah. He's the man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Um, so, so Kimberly Crenshaw worked under him. She's the one who, who comes out with, um, who, who does the body of work on um, intersectionality. But Derek Bell's, so he, he has this proposal and he says that Brown versus Board of Education, which is about um, um, desegregating schools, he considered, uh, um, so, so considered a great triumph of civil rights litigation may have resulted more from self-interest of elite whites than uh, from a desire to help blacks, so 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 this is where Derek Bell's criticism um, is, is coming from. Like, not everything that glitters is gold in regards to the civil rights movement. Like, yes, we got uh, Brown versus Board of Education, and 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 won that, but maybe white people gave it to us because it benefited them, and not necessarily benefited blacks. So he's just saying, like, yeah, a lot of these policies still didn't help black people. So I, and, and I, I, go, I want to go back to what you said previously, which was how do you book it, right? So, so you, to some extent, this is a hypothesis, right? Oh, okay. Hypothesis is some of the things that were done in the name of civil rights were actually as a means to preserve the you know, white patriarchy or whatever terminology they want to use. Mm -hmm. Well, how do we verify that hypothesis? How do we test that hypothesis? And, and the same thing with, racism is ordinary how do we test that hypothesis this is an accusation this is a claim that this is the way that society functions mm -hmm. and and this is where okay overt racism we know how to test it to some extent 
Now, someone can hide it. They can, you know, try to make excuses, and and the, maybe that's still a person being overtly racist. They're just not being explicit about it publicly, but it would still be overt racism. So, to some extent, I would argue, you can test that. Obviously, God can test it clearly because He can see the man's heart. Yeah, yeah. And, I, I, yeah. Sorry. So, go ahead. Go ahead, bro. In, in in regards to the things that are less overt. How do we validate it? And and I would suggest there's a level of giving the benefit of the doubt. No, there's a level of <laughs> unequal outcome is the validation. All right. Right. Okay. So the 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 fact that inequality still exists, sorry, inequity still exists mm-hmm. is the validation. Mm-hmm. Now I, I could be wrong. Maybe there's more. But if we talk about why, why do people keep throwing the term cultural Marxist around? Well, because generally speaking, they're looking at cultural differences and making Marxist-like claims, right? They're, oh, there's inequality by race. Well, well, Marx was just saying inequality by social class. Now you're saying inequality by racial class. As mm. as And so- to me, Although I, w- I would argue that that being black is not a class. No, but it, it's no, I'm a, not, no, I'm not arguing against you. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah that no, but that goes, black is not a class. Yeah, but but the society has deemed racial classes. Yes, yes that's and right. So um, again, I'm not trying to to pigeonhole anyone. I'm just trying to describe what I'm seeing. Right. So, You're being critical of critical race theory. No, but I'm I'm saying this is why people call them cultural Marxists because generally speaking, as far as I have seen. The proof that they put forward is social inequity by by race, mm-hmm. and and so the problem is, and and we've talked about this, and this is why I said, you know, you mentioned it to me. We've been addressing this issue for a long time because how many times do we say you got to do the hard work to dig in and understand the cause and effect relationships? Because mm-hmm. you know whether it's. The episode with Stefan, or the episode with uh, teachers like us. So much of the stuff we're pushing on is okay. Let's. How do we establish the cause and effect relationships? How do we make sure if we're saying this is a you know an issue for a particular race, you know, like you know black students and math scores, or maybe it was um, black boys and, and math scores. I'm not not specific. Uh, we rise. The we rise yeah. report. But. You know, the, yeah. the, my point is that, well, unless we really dig and understand the cause of their failure, as opposed to, well, this white, white patriarchal system isn't designed to help them. Mm-hmm. Like, th- that's a hypothesis. How do we validate it? How do we prove that that's the cause that we need to address? Because we can spend millions of dollars addressing a cause, but if it's actually not the cause that's creating the outcome, it's just going to be pissing into the wind agree or disagree with our views give us your two cents you can leave your comments on any of our social media platforms or email us at six cents report at gmail.com six cents makes six cents makes six cents makes Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, uh, from just you know, I, I had some time to reflect on these things. Um, the the three um, tenants, and for me, I, I, I these three themes are tenants make make the black existence seem hopeless. Mm. Um, you know, respectively, each one. Um, uh, racism is ordinary. Makes me feel anxious. Um, white over color ascendancy uh, makes me feel paranoid. And social construction thesis or pseudo-permanent characteristics makes me feel depressed. And for me, again, as a believer, as a Christian, and as a teacher, and, and I mentor guys, I tr- I'm a basketball trainer, I'm a basketball coach. I work with young people a lot. Like, yes, and we know this, you know, even even when we when we share the gospel with, with somebody, you know, we got to talk about sin. We got to talk about this world sucks, and it's unfair. Um, but again, like we never leave somebody without a hope. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
right? We never leave somebody without hope. And, and, and I felt like these core tenants aren't exactly um, like, you know, sounds of blackness lift every voice, um, which is one of my favorite songs. Like it's not, it's not uplifting to me. It's not empowering, but I, I, you know, again, maybe, 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 maybe that there's other tenants that, that are a little bit more liberating. Um, I, I, I've heard, you know, I think a lot of people criticisms that have been thrown around is that idea of like soft bigotry of low expectations. Um, it's not exactly aligned here. Um, but I do see a little bit of parallel with, you know, what you've said, right. That, that like these, these tenants don't give hope. And, and to some extent that's because it's saying, well, you as an individual aren't good enough to overcome any obstacles because there is an insurmountable problem. And that's, that's racism. That's whiteness. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and that's why it's important to, to make sure that, you know, where we're defining these things properly. We know what these tenants are when we talk about critical race theory. I, I, I think now, like, as we talk about the three tenants, there, there's usually two schools of thought when it comes to critical race theory. Um, so we're going to hit those uh, right now. So the first one um, is idealists. And as the book says, idealists hold that racism and discrimination um, are matters of thinking, mental categorization, attitude, and discourse. Race is a social construction, not a biological reality. So they reason, uh, hence we make, or so we, we may unmake it and deprive it of much of its sting by changing the system of images, words, attitudes, unconscious feelings, scripts, and social teachings by which we convey to one another that certain people are less intelligent, reliable, hardworking, virtuous, and American than others. And then in contrast, in the other con- contrasting school of CRT is the realists or economic determinists. So they hold uh, that though attitudes and words are important, racism is much more than a collection of unfavorable impressions of members of other groups. For realists, uh, racism is a, uh, a means by which society allocates privilege and status. Racial hierarchies determine who gets uh, tangible benefits, including the best jobs, the best schools, and, and invitations to parties in people's homes. Members of this school of thought point out that anti-Black prejudice sprang up with slavery and capitalist need for labor. So my first thought is, you know, let's go back to, to you know, the Type Beast episode on uh, how to be an anti-racist, and I think Ibrahim you know, X Kindy, you you sort of addressed to some extent this idea, the very last sentence of what you said, right? Members of this school of thought point out that anti-black prejudice sprang up from with slavery and capitalists' need for labor. Mm. You 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 very well informed us, myself included, that really the capitalists were the abolitionists. And the anti-capitalists were the anti-abolitionists, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, um, yeah, it's just you know, like you said at that uh, during that episode, you got to go read the words of those authors. Go read the original words, um, mm-hmm. because you know, unfortunately, people make well-sounding arguments, and someone else repeats it, and then they start to think that these are truths. Yes, yeah, that's right. And actually, I, I wrote a blog post about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anti-racism is anti-abolitionism, and so yeah, I was arguing that um, the the economic th- uh, theory of people who were against the abolition of race, uh, abolition of uh, slavery, was the same as those of uh, the ideology of anti-racism that Kendi was peddling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'll, I'll make sure to put that blog post and, and that episode maybe in the show notes page. Yeah, um, yeah, and so sorry, and so basically, what what I did because people are probably just wondering, like, so what I basically did was, I, I went to the source material of three slave owners and looked at the arguments of why they wanted to keep blacks enslaved, 
And so they were they were saying that capitalism is what's going to free them. And so they were they were against capitalism because capitalism would liberate black people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we have Kendi and, and 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 people like him are saying, okay, well, capitalism enslaves black people. Well, actually, no, it freed them according to the source material. But we'll put mm-hmm. that in the show notes. You check it out. And let me know what you think. So um, the idealists and the realists. I mean, what are you, Joel? Are you an idealist well, or no, a realist? I mean. um in in this context i don't think i'm either so because as as you've described right these are these are two camps of crt and i'm you know what what do you how would you describe the differences right because i mean the simple thing that i see is the idealists hold race as a social contract that is exploited or sorry social construct that is exploited and for the realist, they see race as not a social construct. It's just what society has used in order to create hierarchies. I don't know. Is that is that a good summary? Yeah. Or would you see um, a little yeah, bit more? Yeah. So so I, I I think I think I think the definitions are true are true um, to form in the sense that yes. Yeah, so the idealists, it's in your head. Racism is is something that um, race is a social construct construct um and so it's not it's out there but it it doesn't it it's just kind of like sticks and stones right it's just people out there being stupid but it's not real but the realists and, and i think the realist the is the more popular view okay is that that racism isn't just somebody calling you the n-word or a racial slur but it's 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 in, it's institutional, um, it's economic, right? It's policies put in place. Now, of course, however you define that, there's two different schools of thought because um, from what from the research I was doing, um, that they, they were making a distinction between critical race theory and the work of Ibrahim Kendi and anti-racism, right? Because what's unique about Ibrahim Kendi's work is that he's defining uh, racism by unequal outcome inequity mm-hmm. so if there if any any policy that creates inequity between uh racial groups is a racist policy and it's a racist idea so so um, yeah would you say he's an idealist because i was seeing parallels with what you had said where it's about changing the system yes, yes. yeah yeah so 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 i i would definitely um say kendy is 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 a realist in that way but how how however you're defining that racism so kendy defines it that way but criti- but people who are um crt may define it differently they might not cuz the point i'm making is that kendy's work is very nuanced Okay. And there's points where he would disagree with 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 critical race theory. Okay. Okay. Right? And just how how you're defining racism. And 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 that's why that's why I still commend um Abraham Kendi's work because it's consistent. It's thorough. Okay. Yeah, it, it's it's very nuanced. You could and well argue it's out. principled to some extent. You might disagree yeah, oh, with yeah, the principles. Yeah, oh yeah, it's consistent. It's consistent. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he he he's consistent in applying anti-race theory into every sphere of life, but that's but that's not critical race theory, according to the guys who are proponents of uh, critical race theory. They wouldn't say that he he his ideas are necessarily um, pushing critical race theory. Although there are points of overlap, but but the point is, how are we defining racism institutionally? You know, with, with me and you, and we talk a lot about economics. We read a lot about um, economic theory and and how these things work. Um, Looking at just the outcome is not enough, right? We also have to factor the unintended consequences of certain policies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I right? and, and I think that's where uh, I always go back to what Joe Boot said to us, right? That that institutions just perpetuate, generally speaking, perpetuate the underlying realities. Now, obviously, you can use an institution, you can have a racist policy within an institution. Let's call it within the traditional definition of racism. Right, intended to harm a particular race for no apparent reason other than bigotry. So you can an institution can have racist policies. Yes, but in general, an institution will perpetuate society norm, societal norms underlying it, or or that it exists within. And Mm -hmm. and right in 
in that that view is something that I would suggest most critical race theorists would challenge. Yes, and uh, and I and I would also throw this at you, Joel, um, to wrestle with as well because and I mentioned this a long time ago, um, but it's it's something that's in the back of my mind, and even when I was working through this, like even like as economic school of thoughts, um, the Austrian school, Chicago school, right? There, there, there's, there, there's these core principles um, that people use to interpret economic concepts. Um, theologically, you know, we'll call it a, you know, we call it a hermeneutic. But I would argue that like, I'm waiting to see, and this book also says it, that at the end of the book, it, it says, well, there's still work to be done in the area of economics. So it's very, it's not developed. Uh, Critical race theory is not developed economically and they would like to see that happen in the future. So how do you, the point I'm I'm asking you is like, how do you factor in the variable of racism in making decisions? Because economics is the science of making choices, the reallocation of scarce resources. And we're looking at the incentives on what draws people to make decisions. So for the critical race theorists, they're saying, okay, all right, Mr. Smarty Pants, let's throw in the variable of somebody being a racist. Mm -hmm. What do you do with that in in regards to how people make decisions? How do you fact, how do you, how, what does that look like in it when it plays out? Yeah. And and, and I mean, I think the, the difficulty becomes that I, and I think you, would do most of that economic analysis on an individual level, whereas the critical race theorist would do it on the collectivist level. We're, okay. Okay. And, and the reason okay. I bring that up is because I, and, and I don't mean this to sound derogatory, but it might. There's an You're ask- not going to use the N word, are, are you? No, I was going to oh, okay. use conspiracy theory. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You can say that one. Okay. <laughs> it's it, it's a, arguably a little bit of a derogatory term. Not, not in the worst possible way of this subject. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a, there's a conspiratorial underlying that white supremacy is looking to perpetuate itself at the collectivist level. And so mm-hmm. the collectivist incentive outweighs the individual incentive. Now, anyone who's taken economics will know there is a... It's kind of a game theory topic, but not really. There's a topic of oligopoly. And the idea What's an oligopoly? is the idea of uh, the best example would be uh, OPEC, right? The, the oil cartel is an oligopoly. It's a small handful. It's like monopoly, but a couple of businesses. So an, the oligopoly economics analysis is that if the businesses collude, they can make more money than if they worked individually, right? So we can set prices high and everybody will pay us more money and we'll all make more money than if we competed against each other. The game theory side of it is each individual actor always benefits from breaking the cartel. And so if you cheat, you end up better off than everybody else, right? So part of the, the OPEC is a decision on how much oil to produce. So usually these oligopolies would, the way that they drive up their money, the way that they, sorry, they drive up their profit, they make extra money, is by having a quantity limitation that is artificially imposed by the collective. So why is this relevant? Well, from a racist perspective, or if there was a, a grand white patriarchy or white supremacy that's overriding society and, and people have the incentive to perpetuate it on a semi-conspiratorial level, the point is that if they were to break that idea, they would be more profitable on an individual level. So, And this is where the cartel oligopoly example plays in. And then this is just standard economic theory and, you know, someone could try to give a whole bunch of, ver- and, and obviously there's nuance and, and I'm not trying to, you know, oversimplify, but from this simplified analysis, we can derive the idea that 
the individuals all we know the individual always looks out for themselves. And so the the point about conspiratorial, the reason why I bring it up is that you you have to sort of put onto society that there's this either a bunch of people that are intentionally being, you know, elitists and they're using race to control people. Okay, elitists are a different story. But to say that Joe Schmo is going to have, you know, subtle racism, to me, there's this dilemma that, hey, the individual actor is going to, and, and you've talked about this with regards to, um, it costs the person more to be racist, right? Oh, I'm not going to sell my goods to the, this minority or that minority. Oh, I'm I'm not I'm unwilling to pay, uh, you know. Think about the minimum wage origins and whatnot, right? If I if I was to mm-hmm. play pay the unskilled laborer, I would make more money, and I you know it would be helpful to them because they become skilled. But if I want to be a racist and exclude the unskilled of of a particular race, I'm going to have to pay more money, right? Right. So it costs me money to be a racist. Mm-hmm. So if I'm looking out for my self interest. Either I'm full of hatred, which would be yeah, a different yeah. problem. Arguably, that's overt racism. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, I want to perpetuate the white, you know, supremacy culture for my benefit. When I'm what I'm trying to demonstrate is that really on the individual level, you actually are benefited by breaking that approach, assuming that that's actually what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. Like, right to, 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 if I could try to answer that question I asked was that um, racism is not an end in of itself. Like, yes, it's a factor and I don't want to be dismissive, but mm-hmm. um, I don't want to be dismissive of that variable because yes, the, there is a sense where, um, yeah, um, racism is real and it exists. Uh, but the question is, how powerful is racism? Yeah, yeah, it's a <laughs> we problem, should be calling it out when it happens on right, the individual right. level. When, yeah, like, yeah, when it, oh. right, definitely. Um, but in, but in regards to um, an incentive, um, I think there's something that comes before that comes before racism. Racism's there, but I think there's some. I think there's a there's a bigger pull for the for the person. I think that's self preservation, self satisfaction. You can hate Jamaicans, but you gotta go. You gotta go to Daddy's Jerk. To get to get that jerk chicken, yeah, if you, if you jerk peas, chicken, the coleslaw, right, 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 yeah, like yeah, boy, boy, I hate them ninjas, but um, you 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 you, you, you love the food because you can't deny that that daddy's jerk's food's the best. Um, it uh, costs you quality of food to go to the other. Yeah, like person. like if you're if you're really that racist, then you're like, okay, well, what that doesn't mean I stop. I got to stop eating jerk chicken. Um, last example is watching uh, Wu Tang um, season two, um, the American Saga miniseries, and there was a situation where uh, Ghostface um, <laughs> was uh, in Ohio, and he was with his mans and them, and they went to a, a, a gun shop to buy a gun, and um, you know these white people clearly um, they had you know Confederate flag, you know the aura was they didn't like black people, um, and you know, Ghostface didn't have his paperwork. He didn't have he didn't have his paper. You know, his his license, his gun license. Yeah, he yeah. had I, it was a bus pass. He, he showed him a bus pass. And he's like, and he looked at him. He's like, oh, um, he's like, okay, what are you guys using the guns for? And you know, Ghostface's like, oh, we're hunting. He's like, oh, you know, looking at them, they're clearly not from Ohio. <laughs> the way they're dressed, yeah, yeah. like, oh dear, eh? Okay, you're hunting guns, but guess what? That's some sweet camo. Yep. Well, guess what? (laughs) Guess what? Guess what? Those white people sold them the guns. They sold them the guns. And when they left, they're like, good. That'll mean there's going to be less of them. Right? Mm. Right? He sold them the gun. Right? Ghostface and his mans in them, they got what they wanted. They got what they wanted. Like, if he was really a racist, he's like, you know what? I'm not giving you guys anything. I don't want your business. I don't want you in here. Well, no, no. I'm going to take your money and then I'm going to give you something to take your life <laughs> or take somebody else's life. I don't care how you use it. Well, technically, they don't even know how they, how Ghostface was planning to use it. Um, but he was just like, okay, look, one, I got paid. These guys don't look like hunters. 
Um, so they look like thugs. So if they're going to use it to shoot themselves, even better for us as white people. The point I'm making is that um, at the end of the day, um, trade is always mu mutually beneficial. And the interactions mm -hmm. we see in, in, a, in a working economy is always mutually beneficial. Granted that there is no coercion um, or um, assault on a person. Right, so 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 this is these are these are variables and factors that that we we could dig deeper in in the future and and looking at um, a critical race theory, uh, but yeah, I, I, as for this book, um, I recommend it. It's a good read. It's an easy read. Um, it's well written, um, and and again, you know, it's good to go to source material. It's good to look read material for people that are actually for these ideas so you can really see where people are coming from and, and really wrestle with the ideas in real time versus like, oh, wait, is, is, are these guys really just straw manning? Are these guys really just, um, you know, misrepresenting the people? So I, I think um, definitely the book is an easy read, a short read. Um, yeah, please uh, check it out. Add it, add it to your library. It's It's very... It's all the basic points, and and, and, I, and then definitely this is a conversation we'll come back. This isn't the last time we'll we'll uh, come back to this um, topic, uh, but but I, I'll say this: um, what this kind of reminded me of reading this book reminded me of. Um, I don't know if you ever seen the movie Rudy. <laughs> no, I don't know if you ever seen the movie Rudy with the with the, the short guy who goes to Notre Dame and try he's a walk-on on the team and his dreams to play at the school but anyways he gets befriended by this janitor named Fortune um and his name is uh, Charles S Dutton who played him and uh and and he and he once played for the University of Notre Dame but his career didn't last long because um he thought that the coach was against him because he was black and he left the team and he realized that was a mistake because that wasn't the case but because him being hard-headed and um and not just hard-headed but also um false perception false perception um being paranoid um not being gracious what's the word I, I'm, th um, I'm thinking of the quote he was eating poison and expecting the other person to die well, yeah, well, yeah, well, uh, you know, standpoint epistemology, right? He he would have been better served to just talk to the coach and say, "Hey, coach, what's cracking?" Yeah. But he but but he said it in the show. He said in the movie that, yeah, like I messed up. So the point I'm making is that um, we want to make sure that we're engaging with ideas that empower people, um, and not and not and not take away from people or um, infantilize. Uh, but again, the book is great. This is not the last time Joel and I will. Uh, touch on the topic. It, let us know what you guys think. Did we miss anything? Are there layers that uh, Joel and I could definitely peel back going forward? Uh, check out our YouTube channel um, because we're going to be cutting up snippets from this show and putting it into our uh, critical theory playlist. We also have playlists on uh, COVID ethics and uh, ba basic economics, data, uh, so, so subscribe, check out Six Sense Report on YouTube. Get the book. Uh, oh, by the way, um, thank you guys for all your support. Let us know what you guys think. Yeah, hit us up on social media, Six Sense Report, Six Sense Report at gmail.com. Um, I will say, you know, one of the things I, I listen, as I said, I've listened to a lot of James Lindsay. Um, I'll put a couple of stuff from him in the show notes page. He's made a really good comment that, like, you know, you got, you do have to do some work here. Right, like if if you if you think critical race theory is a problem, if you're concerned about it, or or let's even say you think it's a good thing, you know you got to do do some work. Like this book is potentially, you know, useful because now you know where they're coming from. You can make a proper assessment, and you know some of it might be dense and hard to read. Um, and that's where no, I no, was, I, I found this book was what, I, yeah. was was very good. I, I didn't necessarily mean this particular book. I oh, just okay. Content. Oh, okay. Yeah, just you in know, general. You might, you might find some content harder, some content easier. You know, this book um, is is relatively palatable. What James Lindsay had said was, you know, something, and and I think it's in uh, it's called Critical Race Praxis. Uh, was the name of the the interview or the YouTube video that that I was thinking of, where he was just saying, you know, you got to spend the time. You can't can't just go. You know, you can't straw man your opposition. 
Um, because as we've mentioned, there's a lot of terms, definitions, redefining of things. Um, it's a strategy or approach that doesn't value necessarily truth as the highest regard. And as a Christian, I think most of us would hold the idea of truth, objective truth, at the highest regard. Um, and so, yeah, there, there's, there is a need to spend time and learn. Yeah. Uh, if this issue is something you're interested in, if you think yeah. it affects you, if it's if you think it's in your school, you know, and and as Darnell said, uh, this hopefully is an intro. Uh, I can think of, you know, there's a an article by Candace Malcolm that talks about critical race theory in schools. Um, you know, I would say something to the effect: I don't think it's being taught explicitly in schools, but I think it's being taught to the teachers who then are okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's definitely another episode. So, and then, and then another potential episode would be the idea that of, of weighted voting extra days yep, that's off, another episode, yeah. right? Like these are all applications of CRT that, that, that are, you know, future episodes potentially. Uh, and so I just want to tease those out, tease those a bit, make sure the audience doesn't think we forgot about those things, but, but this is an intro. This is a sort of scratching the surface of the topic. So, um, let us know. Maybe maybe there's more applications or, or more instances where you think uh, we should be delving into. So give us your two cents. Don't believe the hype. Read the type. Madden and Mitchell Media.